Hello and welcome to episode four of Get the PhD podcast. I'm Sammy. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tom. And this week we're going to be focusing on Thomas Morris's research. I don't like being full named like that. Thomas Stephen Morris. That's harsh. Or as everyone refers to you on Cardiff Met email system, Stephen no, Morris. I fixed that now. Stephen <laughs> Thomas Morris. Have you fixed that? I, I tried Today. to. I just emailed them literally five minutes ago. Oh. So let's see. Okay, that might not fix it. They're probably going to reply and go, Hi, Stephen, sorry to know. <laughs> I know. Sorry to see your, your issue here. Or what if, what if they then go, Hi, Morris. <laughs> oh, no, they're like, Okay, we'll fix the problem for you now. And then people start calling you Morris. It's going to get Stephen. broken, whatever happens in it. Morris Thomas Stephen. I think I prefer Morris. It suits you. You look a Morris. <laughs> Chloe, we don't, don't want to <laughs> get into that, do we? Right, we're getting distracted. Get <laughs> I forenamed you because on your professional Twitter that me and Hannah created... Your name is Thomas Morris. Is it? Yeah. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> is it? Is I it don't think it is. No. I think his username's like Thomas M and lots of numbers. Thomas. Oh, okay, not Tom. With you, I thought. Do you think he means full name in terms of forename and surname? Yeah, was that not what you were on about? Yeah. Oh, ah. about. oh I thought you meant because I, I called you Thomas. Because we don't call you Thomas. We call you Tom. I, I'm confused. Right, let's move let's on. Well, it's like very let's distracted. It's like, let's you don't, it's like you don't call me Samuel. Right, distracted. <laughs> okay. Let's get into Sorry. it. So, Sorry, sidetracked. Um, so, here's the jingle. Oh, you idiot! Why? Here's the jingle was just going to go in after this. I'm Sammy. I'm. No, you need to have the jingle. All right, well, we'll, put it, we'll put it in after that because there was okay. enough, enough of a pause there. Okay, so now we're going to move on. Three, two. So, Tom, do you want to uh, give us a little bit of a brief description and kind of background to your research? Um, yeah, so as you know, my project was a bit different. I didn't get to really decide everything going on, but I applied for what was like a job on the Cardiff Med website, which was an ethnographic approach to alternative education. So I pretty much go into the alternative education provision, spend a lot of my time there, as you guys can see. And then, yeah, it's down to me then to find out what they do, how they do, um, their own strategies, what works for them, and just try and make things better for when the kids leave. Lovely. So, yeah. What's your What's your partner school? Do you wanna Do you wanna the like placement school? Do you wanna like name a shout out? Yeah, name drop them. I don't think I can name drop the actual school, but ah, the provision okay. is AL Direct. AL Direct. Okay. Lovely. So, can you explain like what alternative education like provision you were in? Because there's different types, right? Kind of. What do you mean? Like alternative education with like this homeschooling. This oh, right. Like okay, yeah. Yeah. So like, um, these kids they haven't been formally excluded, but they were on like the brink, so they considered like at-risk students. Okay. So what happens is, the owner of AL Direct went into the high school and pretty much said, "Give me eleven of your um, hardest sports students." So they've been taken from their secondary school place in this provision and they'll do like vocational and core qualifications there instead so they're there full-time monday to friday yeah but okay. they have like shortened hours so everything's like made tailored towards them so we've seen that mainstream school just can't support them they can't do it so instead they come in about 10 o'clock until two o'clock they'll work in the session they have like two 45 minute sessions on um well, academia and then they do activity sessions in the afternoon, which I know you lot really appreciate. 
Yeah, Tom comes into the office and he's been ice skating or trampolining or for a walk or something fun. So and it's just great, isn't it? In the office in the research house. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it, ju- it just shows that everything they get to do is building their social skills. See, I like it. And you get to go along. Exactly, <laughs> that's the best part. When you could be in the research house. Well, yeah, that's the main thing about my project, though, isn't it? Because it's ethnographic. Oh, of course, I yeah. have to be yeah. there. Yeah, of like course, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. It's like a major difference, like what most people would be doing for their PhDs. Yeah, I'm know. sure some people don't spend much time at their placement schools. No, which, I'm, you sure, know. I'm sure some don't. <laughs> yeah, um, s- some so get quite worried about that, don't so they? So, what's ethnography for people that. Have oh, I said it wrong again? <laughs> ethnography. <laughs> ethnography. I can't say it right. It's getting closer. I'm doing my. I'm doing my. For this wrong. Ethnography. 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 Anyway. Right. So, <laughs> ethnography is when you become like part of their culture. So they know I'm a researcher, but at the same time, I have to like become like part of their little team sort of thing. So while I'm there, I'm acting as a sort of teaching assistant. Mm-hmm. I do all their usual sort of jobs. I have to help out in the academic sessions, but it's just a different requirement sort of thing. Yeah. It's so, yeah, the um, basically my first job for the first couple of months... My main job for the first couple of months was just to build a poll with the students. So, like, plenty of people have said they're the hardest group to sort of interact with, like, mm-hmm. at-risk students. So I had to go in, just be accepted, pretty much. Yeah. Which... So it comes to lots of ethical ethical problems then, right? A lot, yeah. Yeah. So I had to get ethical approval just to sort of write my own experiences and things down, because what I experienced at the centre is wholly driven by what the staff and students do. Yeah. So So have you yeah. been have you been finding it sorry to button. Have you been finding it difficult or easier to kind of get that like acceptance and that kind of like or is part it of the group when you do the trampolining and the ice skating and those kind of socializing bits? Is that easier or is that more difficult? Is it kinda of harder to get maintain that relationship to be professional and stop it kind of going over the not professional line but over the researcher line? That's like the main like ethnography challenges like my supervisor came and wrote the paper and like then things like both came up in there mm-hmm. so it's not easy obviously to go in and do it but have I told you both about my interview for this place uh, like the whole PhD mm, vaguely a little bit so the participants of my study interviewed me before I even met them like I had to come mm-hmm. in there was a small room I was expecting like two or three students ask me some personal questions just to sort of get to know you sort of thing. I walk into this room and there's 11 students sat around in a circle with their staff members dotted around. And I have to go in and they ask me things like, um, uh, how would you cope on our most challenging days? Like, what would you do when we really, like, sort of just get unhappy or angry? I was like, whoa, now this is a bit, like, it's a bit more full on than I thought it was going to be for an interview. So I was, I was going to say, you literally didn't expect that? No. They I didn't tell you that that was going to be well, all I knew was there was two parts of the interview there was one part of the students and one part with um, Gary and Kieran the supervisors so yeah I didn't expect 11 students to be there quizzing me on sort of behavioural techniques and mm-hmm. strategies sometimes better to be put on the spot though right than like kind of preempted that well, I think it really helped because they saw me in an uncomfortable situation so it's like they felt this sort of power thing then really mm. because when I went to the setting after that 
the first thing Lanka me and said was, oh, sorry, we were laughing in your interview. Because <laughs> they were just three in a corner, <laughs> and they just laughing their head off the whole way through it, and I had to get like, escorted out of the place. So, obviously, in an interview, that's really unnerving, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I walked out of there, it just remember getting my dad's car and I was like nah I better start looking for more <laughs> well, when you're like you say in an interview if someone's laughing yeah. you kind of think I'm saying something wrong or I'm making I'm coming across as not stupid but a bit you know yeah I, I didn't think it was a good picture at all but it's something that even the students like they comment even now just like funny moments from it or something that maybe I said in the interview that I've completely forgot about now and it just shows that like they appreciated that yeah, being involved. Yeah, I think exactly. That's a good starting point for them to get to know you as a researcher because they come to university, kind of see all of this setting, and then meet you. So it's kind of that understanding behind it a little bit more so than someone yeah, just exactly. walking into this setting and being like, "Hi." <laughs> so, like, especially for ethnography, they appreciate now that I have they I have a job there, and as they've seen the university, they come here the other day as well. Mm-hmm. They can see everything I have to do here as well. It's like all the project side of it that maybe. I wouldn't say they didn't appreciate if they didn't come here, but it makes a lot more sense to them now when I say, oh, I have to leave early today because i got a meeting or something. Yeah, they can make a bit more of a connection. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you're a person who just kind of, like, you kind of drop in and watch them and kind of do stuff with them and then just disappear. Yeah, exactly. That's what I didn't want. Like, I don't want them thinking that... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them thinking that I don't care or anything. Like, the way to engage with these students is to show a commitment and you really want to help them. So that was like a big job all the way up until now, pretty much. Seems like a good kind of transition into kind of the key themes of alternative education and the research and the literature you've been looking at, I suppose. And but Yeah, obviously, coming to the research house, you have to do a ton of reading then. So all the themes and like challenges of alternative education I'm finding, I can see happening in the centre. Correlating, yeah. Like, the most important thing is going to be respect. Like, if you don't respect the kids, they're never going to speak to you. They're never going to appreciate what you do. And they just won't go, pretty much. Like, respect is massive there. A lot of things. Mm, very interesting. It's, um, it's a lot different to what you'd expect. Like, when I went there, I didn't know what the setting would look like or anything at all. I just got told, show up at this time, and someone will show you where we go, pretty much. I walk into this really large community centre and the first thing that struck me was there's a pool table in the middle of there. Like, yeah. th- this is their classroom. <laughs> yeah, because you kind of would just imagine like a, a classroom just not in a school. Or that's what I'd yeah. picture anyway. It wouldn't picture kind of like a community centre. I would tables. still picture it as a setup of, yeah, like you say, like desks classes, classroom, desks, chairs, yeah. whiteboard or some kind of information yeah. space kind of thing, yeah. Well, that's how I was going to bring up. Like, you guys, like, if you haven't been to alternative education, you wouldn't know things that I see as like typical now. Like that's mm-hmm. why my reflexive diaries help me like point out what I thought was different, and then that can be put into research. Like how you just become accustomed to these sort of things. Like as they were coping in mainstream schools, the difference in alternative education is like working in small groups. There's no teacher at the front of the class; they just work in literally groups of four or five and get on with their work. Like that's not something you might know from doing a PGC, say. Yeah. So obviously they need to find teachers that will appreciate that and know how to work that space. So it's all... Interesting. Very different. It is. It's really different, obviously, but it's just... It's something... As I'm there more, I'm getting more and more used to it. And that's something I'm concerned about now, is how much am I going to get used to and just think it's normal? Or how much mm. do I need to be picking up on and putting like, in my notes or something? 
But then I suppose it's trying to have that appreciation for the fact that that has its merits, just like mainstream, well, not mainstream, but your usual secondary school, compulsory school setup has its merits. Yeah, exactly. They're all, they're all needed. They all have positives and possible negatives, whichever way you look at it, I suppose. Yeah. But it's kind of been able to think, well, I don't really know where I'm going with this. <laughs> but just, like you say, like not trying to make, make you think that that's the norm. But I think that's why your reflective log will be super, super interesting to see when yeah. you look back over three so. years and then like what you thought of it initially and then how that evolved. Even like the unconscious things that you would be putting down and you can compare. I think that'd be super interesting. Even reading through them now, I'm thinking, oh, I've completely forgot about that. Yeah. Like they're just things you don't think are major at the time. You just sort of note them down and think, yeah, okay, that happened today. But it's just like the smallest things can change the whole day at the alternative education so it can either be really good or really bad so a recent one before coming into the school two of the kids went to like a joke shop sort of thing and bought um stink bombs <laughs> that disrupted the whole week then, oh God. the whole week <laughs> and then obviously that the staff have to find ways to like reward and consequences they're like oh, okay well we're not going out now because you set off stink bombs stuff like that so it's no, just no trampolining. No, I didn't get to go trampolining for <laughs> a full week. I was devastated. But then surely that kind of backfires sometimes as well because it'll just result in a worse afternoon. What about the kids that didn't buy stink bombs? Like, but the thing when I say about respect in the centre is that they take respect a little step further. Like for them, it's a sort of snitches get stitches rule. <laughs> like <laughs> they will not like own up to any wrongdoings from each other. Like it, it's oh, quite okay. sad. Every day. <coughs> it's sad, like, every day, the stitches will get stitches and these sort of things. Mm. Like, you wouldn't expect them in a normal school, but you expect mm. them maybe here. It's like, coming from where I was in the valleys, postcodes are, like, never important sort of thing. Yeah. But to these guys, their postcodes is, like, some sort of, like, membership they have. Really? It's, like, a massive thing. I remember the first time they took them to the shop, they were walking around shouting CF5. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I don't understand this. I've missed something by it. But it's getting to know like these little like quirks of what they do that I wouldn't have had without ethnography. Yeah, and you only get that by being there the amount of time that you are there. Exactly. Like if I just if I just went in and done like interviews or something, mm. it'd be a complete false conception of like what's going on. Yeah. Like for starters, you think, oh, okay, it's easy to like meet up with these students. You make an appointment and show up, sort of thing. But no, like the unstructured sort of days. Mm -hmm. Like this week, I was meant to meet them in a McDonald's in Cardiff Bay. I got down here, and then there's a text like, oh, we're going to Bridge End instead now. <laughs> so escape <laughs> then. It's hard to hard to be good like within ethnography with this sort of like structure, but it has to be done. Mm -hmm. Like that's how they work. I, I don't want to change that. So that's the sort of biggest challenge I'm coming up with in my project, really. Mm. Interesting. Very interesting. Are we yeah. ready for the next next section? Well, he has no idea what the next go section on is. With, go <laughs> on with whatever you're going to talk about. I don't know, I'm still going to check now. I'll we'll, we'll have a little pause. You no, it's fine. What we'll you're this on to so, with the like, evidence and things I'm finding from... Um, the literature at the moment is seen that the main points that come up from students about alternative education is that they have positive experiences compared to negative and mainstream. 
and that's things like having a better sense of acceptance and specifically like teacher-student relationships. Like I'm not sure about where you two went to school, but I didn't have the best relationships with my teachers. Mm. Like you had um, one or two maybe you liked. Yeah, I I think with most people in mainstream secondary schools and primary schools, you always have like one or two. Yeah. And mm. they're always your favourite subjects, but almost partly because of the teacher. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it really influences like your future career path, a teacher. Because if you like your geography teacher throughout school, you kind of tend to stick with geography and then progress. So it does really influence. Yeah, my drama does. teacher in secondary school, I got on with really well. And yeah. and then you did drama at uni. Did drama at <laughs> A level with the same teacher. I had the same teacher from year seven through to year twelve, year mm-hmm. thirteen with for drama, and then came and did it at uni. And I'm still doing elements of it now exactly. in my PhD. So See, massively influential. Relationships uh, have an impact. So, like, in alternative education, is it a lot through with teachers, isn't it? And mm-hmm. they teach sort of all the subjects instead of just one or two. So students aren't saying, like, oh, I don't like that subject because of the teacher, because it's the same teacher teaching their favourite subject. That's and something I've, 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 I've always thought about in terms of primary school. Yeah. And the fact that you have a teacher. I, I think I had maybe one or two subjects different, but very rarely... And that was more like year six, getting used to the set- setup of secondary yeah, schools. Yeah, exactly. But in primary school, like you say, like you wouldn't associate a teacher with a subject. You'd just have a teacher and that was it. And it, I assume it makes the relationships a bit easier to de- develop. Obviously, you come across your rough spots because when, like, say, a teacher goes against their word or something, you've lost a massive amount of respect there and you have to build that back up. Like, there's arguments, like, often within the centre sort of thing, where it's more of... Um, it looks like it's a lot easier to recover than if it was a teacher they only saw, say, once a week. Because if they saw that teacher once a week, then they're just going to have a negative perception next time they see them. Oh, see, I was going to think that maybe it was more dangerous because if you've kind of broken that relationship that you have so closely with that teacher that teaches you for everything, so in the alternative education setting, then that's kind of more detrimental than if you break a relationship with your drama teacher who you see once a fortnight. I was thinking maybe that would be more dangerous. You kind of see what I mean? It could be. I haven't seen like a broken relationship yet. I've mm. just seen like, um, say, testing of it really. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting to say like, if they really didn't get on with the teacher, there's only going to be, well, three other members of staff there at one time for that student to work with. So they obviously make comments and you have to go through that pretty much. Mm-hmm. It can, it's just banter. The first thing I was warned of going in is. You you will be like subject like all sorts of criticism <laughs> things. Like, I was going to say, is yeah. it almost like some kind of initiation where they'll find out your resolve quite early on and maybe test? It is, yeah. That's the beauty of how much you can kids, take. Though. You just have the honest, the honest truth all day, every day. <laughs> this is what I like come across now. Like I was writing about ethnographic challenges, like you've seen yesterday, mm-hmm. and I was saying when you go to and any adult goes to work in the school, they will be tested by the kids. They'll check yeah. the boundaries, like what you can and can't do, how far yeah, into you go to trouble. It's just a natural instinct to test the water, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's always the, the typical stereotype of when you have a, a substitute teacher. Oh, and yeah. And everybody's <laughs> kind of rubbing their hands together, thinking, uh, like I've been a substitute teacher, and it's not something I would ever go and do again. Like, <laughs> you have pupils like Sammy testing you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely. Just a little I'm menace. not saying I was one of those students <laughs> rubbing, rubbing their hands <laughs> I was the one shining the apple that was on the desk and of course. making sure that everything was ready for the substitute teacher. Oh. I, think. <laughs> I can really believe that. But yeah, the um, the whole teacher-student relationship thing is like a major part of what I'm looking at now. Like in alternative education, that's like 
one of the main things is the way I see it. If that's not there, you've got big problems. Mm-hmm. The same as if I didn't build rapport with these students, the project would have to take a completely new direction. Yeah, the willingness to learn, isn't it? Like It has to be, yeah. Mm. You just, if you're not willing to like go and participate. Like, ethnography is about participation. Like, you can't just go and observe. You're there doing the things. When you say go trampolining and stuff, I'm not expected to go and watch them trampoline. I'm expecting to go and do front flips and back flips off the top of the box <laughs> onto a little <laughs> tiny little trampoline. And can you? I done it. Which, oh, getting uh, better, done. I imagine. Yeah. I just couldn't walk for the next couple of days. Get so much <laughs> practice <laughs> every other week. That's mean everything they go and do, they want to see me like getting involved. Like it's like a continue continuous sort of test sort of thing. Yeah. So there's this one time they went free running and this was when I really badly hurt my leg and couldn't walk. <laughs> I just looked at these walls like, Wow, what am I gonna do by here <laughs> now? But they had this huge rope dangling from the ceiling and they were all just jumping off onto crash mats and stuff. So I thought, oh, I can give that a go. And when I landed, they were like, oh, yes, sir, you're so cool. Look at that. you actually done it, boys. Look at that. <laughs> and it's stuff like that. You think, okay, like, this is what I need to be doing to build our rapport now. It's good that, like like you say, you've got that research ahead on constantly. I think Hannah mentioned it earlier in terms of that fine line of not not in terms of professionalism, but you've got to remember that you're a researcher in that, yeah, in exactly. that situation. I and think if you drop that. That's why your work, like your week works, because you spend your morning there, then your afternoon. So you kind of come back yeah. to reality research, your head back on. So you're constantly getting back into that mindset rather than like being at the school straight for a month and then coming back into research. I think what you're doing kind of keeps that. Yeah, I think that, that would be difficult. Yeah, it keeps that researcher balance. But it's like one of the main concerns I have as well now is that what happens when I'm not there? Like today, when I've had to come back early for a meeting, is that going to be impacting them? Like, is that a change to their day? Like, how mm. much disruption is that going to be causing? I suppose it'd be interesting to just kind of see how that is. I don't know whether you... Yeah. Have you had any feedback from the teachers of, like, anything like that when you've um, No, like, I thought it was a really cheeky thing for some reason to say, okay, I have to focus on, like, more of my research now, and that's when I drop my hours from, like, 9 till 2 till 9 till sort of half 12, 1. Mm-hmm. And... It's strange because it's sort of this role conflict then that I shouldn't have to feel cheeky to say I need to focus on this part because the project is aiming to benefit them. Like, they want to know how alternative education can be improved and that's yeah. what I'm there for. And this is the point where you need to be there and need to be understanding all of this thing like before you actually start like data collection. and Well, yeah. not start data collection as such because you kind of are already, but like before you start interpreting data because after that point, then it's kind of then it's a different story. But for now, it really works, I think. I think you'll get good data. That's the intention. So, like, now I'm moving on to my next ethics stage where I want to start note-taking, where I want to be taking, like, quotes more, maybe the kids are saying that could be helpful in the future or just <laughs> the poignant things that happen in the day are, like, determine what goes on later on. Mm-hmm. Like, at the moment, I can only give my experiences, but that will only take me so far. So this next step now is, like, going to be major in sort of progress of the project. So is there anything in terms of, I don't really, I'm not too familiar with ethnography, um, <laughs> but... Look at me the eyes. Just, just making sure I say it right this time, because I don't right, want to fall yeah. into the trap of I can't say saying it. it so many times. When you say a word so many times, it sounds oh, wrong. It's, it's gone in my head. But so <laughs> ethnography, so in terms of, is there something like, as you collect more data, or as you're, you start the data collection, is there something within ethnography that kind of talks about how the researcher needs to not let that kind of impact how they interact with the people and with the students and if it's I, I don't know how to word it 
Um, like uh, not pushing them for certain quotes or certain data and trying to prize it out of them, just letting it ha- happen naturally. But yeah, definitely. In is that, that the whole thing of ethnography? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have a clue. I might, I might be. So, ethnography, you want to be like an invisible researcher sort of thing. So, in our sense. COVID or over it? What's the word? Ne- neither of them. That's, that'd be bad, yeah. What was it? C- COVID. COVID. Yeah, I, if I was COVID now, I'd, it'd be huge, I think, like problems going on. Glad I'm not the only one that doesn't understand ethnography. No, I don't. <laughs> but no, like, um, you want to be seeing how they live their day-to-day lives, essentially. Like, you being there is inadvertently, like, going to change things. Like, for example, in one of my first few weeks, they asked me to take students to the shop because there was no one else to do it. And they wouldn't have had that possibility if I went there. So mm-hmm. even that was a change. There was another one where a student started a fight. And I was asked to stay inside with like the ones who weren't there, who didn't need to go outside and cool off. Again, they couldn't have done that if I weren't there. So there are inadvertent changes, but the point is you'd want to make big changes that are going to like disastrously affect your data. So if I was telling them like my views on what I think alternative education like does, then that could influence it. I know in a meeting we had with supervisors, one of the managers turned around to his group gave an example of what he thought worked which is like small groups together work better and I know Gary had to like come over and say to him like yeah you, you can't say that to them you can't put these ideas in their head like the whole point is getting their ideas what works for them what doesn't work for them and that's really going to be like what I'm looking for it's hard it's hard not to put your opinion in like even just hard. subconsciously sometimes it just slips out and you're like oh. especially if you're like kind of seen as a member of staff in that terms like if they're asking for yeah. advice and opinions of people it's really hard not to be like that's great that's not well it senses we're like i have to help out in maths and that's my strongest subject so they can see now that i'm a lot more useful for the maths work than the english work so i'll work with like certain sets of groups and things but i do want them thinking that they're only going to be getting a maths grade because i'm helping them with the work really mm-hmm. like I am there as a teaching assistant as well. I can't just deprive them, like, oh, no, I'm not helping out in the sessions. Like, I'm just here to watch. But at the same time, I'd want to be making them think that I'm doing things differently to what other teachers would be doing. Yeah. So it's really hard to try and find a balance, but that's the main aspect. Kind of going off what I said again, and I might be explaining the (laughs) basics of ethnography (laughs) again, but is there kind of a point where you need to not almost cut off interaction? But when you start data analysis and analysing the quotes that they've said and you start kind of picking out the, the key fu- key findings of your research, <clears throat> do you need to kind of take a further step back? Because that might then impact how you interact with them again. Um, I don't know if it's about taking a further step back. Like in ethnography, it's a lot of it is y- being used with grounded theory. So like your next sort of um, direction of your data comes from your last interviews. So... It's like I don't want my opinions being um, influential to the children in terms of the data. And I still don't want that the more I find out. So obviously, I've gone in with my own perceptions at the start of what alternative education would be. Is it useful? Like, they're all just my ideas. You can't escape from that, really. Mm. And now it's just going into and finding out. Um, yeah, it's just making sure you don't take any new ideas like into the data selection part then. So... I want to have an open mind when I'm looking at interview transcripts. I don't want to be thinking, okay, this relates to that paper, but not this one. 
I just want to be thinking, this is the data, I'll look at literature later on sort of thing. So. You in your own little world over there, Hannah? I'm trying to think why I procrastination. Like, sorry. I just had a mid-panic we'll halfway through. I was like, hang on. We'll come on to that. that. Okay. I've got, <laughs> I've got, chill, th- I've got three pages ready, okay, guys? <laughs> See, I Don't worry. Words. We're excited to wrap up. Continue, Tom. Sorry, distraction. Damn. So <laughs> I was now. Sorry. Um, um, yeah, so I thought I'd ask like you guys questions about alternative education now and just see what you think of it. Because okay. the ideas that I didn't know about at the start, I'm wondering what other people would think pretty much. Okay, fire away. So the first one would be, how does a student's time at alternative education come to an end? Oh, it's interesting. Come to an end. So I suppose in that you almost consider like what's the the aim of alternative alternative education and if it sort of if it meets that overall goal or target do they then need it if they then stop going to the alternative education will they go back to how things were before it or i I don't know i think my answer would kind of be when they have a plan in place of like where things are going so whether they get a qualification and know that they're going to go into college to do something or they get a vocational qualification in like whatever and then go on and like pursue a career in that there's no point just kind of letting them go i'm thinking more like older ages i think like secondary oh, so school you're like when they go on to like maybe work and yeah because realistically about like 14 to 15 like yeah. the sort of bracket you're thinking now. realistically you're not going to go to that setting where you've been doing a l- like small amount of work a day per day and then you're going out in the afternoon and having like an enjoyable activity and blowing off steam you're not going to go back into full stream mainstream after that like full days of work it's just not going to happen i can't imagine no no it it simply wouldn't well i can't i can't see that working in any way so i feel like unless you've got a kind of plan or like a phased return to that still then i I don't think we'd be very happy going back to a full day of work that is an interesting point because a lot of people say the aim of alternative education is to integrate them back into mainstream really but now a lot of researchers are saying how can they reintegrate when they be put into a setting that works for them that they like yeah. they're being told are oh, you going back to that one you didn't like and didn't work for you now and I think that's the problem with our education system is everyone is forced through the same thing basically and we try and keep everyone in mainstream but some people are different and the setting needs to be different to incorporate exactly. what works for them so that works for them so why are you putting them back in it they've found something that works so focus on getting what qualifications they want and what future path they want to pursue like that should be the aim of it slightly off on a, not a huge tangent but that's kind of similar to like SEN students and ALN yeah. students and you kind of have your separate area in the school What's the and it's always trying to put them back into back the mainstream in. and yeah. it, you don't have to like kind of relates to um, is it the Albert Einstein quote when it's like I know what you if mean. you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree oh you yeah. just ruined it now why is that oh, one of your things oh sorry <laughs> Sorry. I had that in my head What's the full away. thing though? If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, then it'll always live its it'll life. It'll live its life it's believing that it's stupid. stupid. Yeah. yeah, and I think that kind of applies to SEN and alternative education settings. Like it people work definitely. differently. There's like that picture as well of um, there's like a guy behind a desk meant to be a teacher, and in front of them there's a monkey, penguin, elephant. You can see on mm-hmm. Julian's wall when you go back into the. Oh, is he on his wall? Yeah. Oh, okay. Essentially, it <laughs> says like. Um, in the interest of like fairness and making sure you're all treated equally, we'll give you the same exam. Go climb that tree. Yeah. And obviously, like, give it just because insane. it's the same thing, it's not equal. It doesn't work for everyone. So yeah, the um, you touched on the actual like end of not alternative education pretty much. So this seems like three ways. 
you can either complete your goals, which would be education, like qualifications or vocational qualifications, stuff like that. You could be sent home, which is sort of like the excluded aspect. Because <laughs> alternative education still doesn't work for everyone. Like there's a lot to be done for all students. So there can still be an aspect where things are taken too far and they're like, okay, no, you this can't like go on now. Or additionally, it can be voluntary withdrawal. So students mm-hmm. can say like, well, what's the point? I don't understand like what's going on here. Like this isn't for me. And they'll just drop out. So it's quite different to mainstream, but in the same way it can be twisted too. It's the same sort of way a student would end, but there are huge differences in the way it's done. What way is the most popular, or not popular, but which way is the most common that people kind of go from alternative education? Do you know? I might um, put you on the spot a bit then, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's debated a lot, but speaking to the staff of AL Direct mm-hmm. from the students who went last year, they, a lot of them who have gone to things like college or yeah. um, even some working now, like full-time, I know some are working in um, a couple of retail shops. Yeah. One's uh, going to barbering, I think. Oh, okay. But it's all like trade sort of things. Like these these are what the sort of jobs are being set up as some reaches, researchers are saying. Like some identify them as low-grade jobs. Others just identify it, which I agree with, as hands-on jobs. They're not the academic jobs or things that we've been through. Is there many examples of people going through alternative education routes and coming out into, not the other side, but going into academia, higher education, that kind of thing? Just because, no, but like you say, it almost, it reminds me, it it reminds me of the tripartite education system (coughs) and that you had the 11 plus exam. And if you did well in that, you went on to like private school, good education, university, Mm -hmm. high job. And if you didn't do well in that, you went to vocational courses and plumbing and like a trade. And that, that reminds me of that. And it's almost like they're setting like a ceiling for these stu- these pupils, even though there shouldn't be one. It's not like um, a sad thing. Like there's so much missing data on where children go to education end up. So they could go to uni. They have that option because now they have qualifications. But I think... From what I've seen and what I've read so far, the main aspect seems to be college, to work on their sort of um, sometimes basic skills, sometimes they want to specialise in, um, you know, someone said scaffolding or building, you know, these sort of things. But it's not about, um, like, some of them jobs are going to be even more higher paid and, like, better options than jobs which people going through academia sides would go into. Yeah. So, yeah, this it's a tricky answer, but it's like, I can't explain. It's <laughs> typically, they get where they want to go. They'd be in a better place by going to alternative education than if they just yeah. dropped out of school, That's essentially. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's kind of the fix. That's like the main argument. Um, another one is that, I don't know what you think, reasons for students attending alternative education. So why do you think students go? Is it my kind of stereotypical picture of children that are in alternative educations is kind of maybe with special needs, possibly like ADHD, kind of that don't work in the conventional classroom or also kind of ACE children, like um, adverse, like have adverse childhood experiences. So don't necessarily, oh, that's such a tough don't necessarily like cope in a normal classroom and mainstream setting. Okay. That would be my stereotype. I suppose my my stereotype would just be students that 
just have your hip, like your typical behavior issues within mm-hmm. a school yeah and have kind of not been like discarded by the education system but the, the a school will look at them and think we don't want them in our school like maybe they won't be good for for grade statistics GCSE and, yeah. statistics this is a massive thing about like and they put them in they they remove them and then it's kind of alternative education's job to pick up the slack and yeah. actually give this student some support that they need this is like a major aspect of um alternative education being abused like this is the way like some schools are using it but the intention of alternative education is just for those who mainstream doesn't work so it doesn't have to be through behavior for example like from my own experience i didn't enjoy school like i think i would have preferred something like this where i could focus on qualifications i actually wanted Mm -hmm. to learn about history and re that i've never used in my life like essentially it's just about students who are either deemed at risk of going into non-educational employment or training or it's for students who have somehow become disengaged from mainstream so it doesn't have to be behavioral and things a lot of it is stereotyped to be that way but there's yeah. a lot of them yeah, there. I, can I think they're the more extreme kind of things isn't it like you think of like the extreme cases of people whereas there are probably some individuals who are just misbehaving in class simply because they don't enjoy it and it's yeah. kind of a simpler solution for them that it's just something that they'd like to ex- like something different that is better works better for them someone made a comment the other day in the center about um fighting or something i think it was and when the students just turned around and went oh but i'm not here for fighting though so mm-hmm. even he, he is seeing it as a way they're like it's perceived to be that way just because they they it's assumed to be a bad thing, a bad yeah. reason. Yeah. And that brought me on to like the final point I want to make about it now. So I found a bit of research the other day, and essentially, just a button quickly. Is this is this the your controversy, which we shamelessly forgot to back? do last week? <laughs> I, I think it's quite controversial. Yeah. I wouldn't okay. say I wouldn't say we shamelessly forgot. I think we just we did it, but didn't label it as the controversy. It was after the Christmas break, like yeah, yeah. fifth. Yeah, hard week. You're just a bit too lax, aren't you? Hard, yeah, hard couple still of weeks. I'm still struggling. Mostly, that's what it is. Hard couple of weeks doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, take, take it away, yeah. Tom. Controversy. So the research I found have said that students may be branded a failure for merely attending alternative education. I think I think that is the stereotype in society. If someone says they're going to an alternative education setting, it's like, well, you failed at mainstream. Then why aren't you in mainstream? Like, what's what's your problem? Kind of thing. It's it, definitely it, uh, yeah. perceived like that. And it's not the case at all. No, it's this like is a massive thing for me. Like it's like you just said about I'm not here for fighting and assuming that that's kind of the behaviour thing comes into it so much for people that yeah. it's not even really there for it. And like you say, I feel like schools will abuse it, just take a child that has behaviour issues that they maybe don't know quite how to deal with and they just go, oh, well, they can go there. And then they're out of the way kind of thing. Yeah. Question. Does the term alternative education in like this sense refer to like homeschooling, maybe SEN, oh, I should be saying ALN units and that kind of stuff? Or is it specifically behavioural and emotional like that, what you're kind of doing now? So for the research I found, it's specifically in centres like the one I'm working in. Okay. So students who are on the edge of being excluded. Mm-hmm. They might mean in a way of homeschooling things, but it's not... Um, they weren't talking about that in the rest of their paper. Yeah. Like obviously, there's loads of different Is it kind of used in interch- interchangeably, the term alternative education? Because yeah. it's quite a broad uh, word. That's a major thing I have to look at in my thesis. Yeah. Probably just a whole section or paragraph on, like, Divided these are the definitions. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
these are the different types. Join the crew. Yeah, as say, yeah. everybody's got that, like I spoke about with everything around Lucy. Yeah, yeah everybody's got something. Yeah, I'm like. in the same boat. Nothing straightforward, damn it. I suppose it's like painting the picture as well. Like you, when you normally write an essay, you'll come to some working definition definition for the purpose of that assignment. I assume you have to come to some kind of definition and label of alternative education for your thesis. Uh, that's what I'm looking at now, is what I'm going to be doing about that. Lovely. It's sure a lot we'll of fun. I'm sure we'll watch you slowly break down as you <laughs> do it. That was super interesting, actually. Like, as much as we talk about your project, like, here and there in the research house, it's good going into detail on yeah. it. Like, I learn a lot more than I... There's still, like, obviously a lot more detail I could go into, but... Yeah, of course. Yeah. But <laughs> but <laughs> like, confidentiality. We haven't got all day. That as well. If we run out, of <laughs> run out of episode ideas, we could always have a, a alternative education 2.0, a dyslexia 2.0, everything, yeah. Right, you know, know we're going to be scraping the barrel when they pop <laughs> up <Yeah>. then. <laughs> yeah, you think that's when people need to <laughs> stop listening if they've started listening already. <laughs> so, this week's procrastination of the week. <laughs> I'm prepared. But you can go first because yeah. I know he's not all it is. Sammy has three pages. Three pages of procrastinations. If That's that more than I had on notes for what I was meant to say today. <laughs> two, two and three quarters. Two, two and two three quarters. Six, 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 um, so these best be good. Why am I? Well, why am I going first? Because I want to get ideas. I haven't got an idea yet. Shouldn't we go someone who's scraping the barrel? Someone who's done effort. Someone who's scraping the barrel kind of sandwich. What? So do someone who's not got, done much prep. Then do the one who has. Then do someone who's not done much prep. It's really bad saying I can't think of one because I'm definitely doing something to procrastinate at some point every day. I just can't think what it is. Well, you've been saying in the research house that your procrastination could be trying to think of one, but that's not. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's not that going to be the point, but that is I'll that go is first, true. Okay? okay? Okay. I'll go first. So my procrastination of the week is that I couldn't actually think of any procrastination. <laughs> I had done this past <laughs> Hang on. Hang any, on. Really any actual thing. So... I decided to do some research on procrastination. Oh, oh here we go. So this is uh, some little uh, bits and bobs that I grabbed from alphaefficiency.com. <laughs> so they had an article on the four types of procrastination oh. and how to beat them. So this is this is me trying to, you know, if you do have any procrastination, you can try and figure out a way to come o- overcome it or alleviate it. So number one, we have the anxious procrastinator. Okay. So they're bad at managing their time. They overschedule their workload, commits too many things, and this leads to stress and anxiety, and then procrastination. Okay. They're just trying to avoid the stress, avoid those negative emotions yeah. linked to the work and stuff. That sounds more stressful than that. Sounds like the worst type of procrastination. I think. Like I think it probably is. <laughs> so, th- how to beat it? You should do the air quotes unschedule. So fill time for fun and rest activities. I mean, I hate it doesn't sound very already. good. So basically, you need to in your in your say to do list or your daily plan, like on your calendar on your desk, Hannah. You would put oh, you would put I don't know, <laughs> go for go for a walk around the office or <laughs> Facebook. This right, I'm this, this article I've got multiple problems with. Why? <laughs> no, so that's not going to help here, me. For example, Facebook for fifteen minutes, then do oh. work. It's no, not going to be though. You'll no, click on a video that's twenty minutes long on your last five minutes that you're allowed on the Facebook, whole point, and it'll spiral. But the whole spiral. point is that you you schedule your time for your procrastination, so that then 
when you're doing work, you won't, you won't pick up the How phone. do you know when you're ready to procrastinate? Because what if I'm really in the workflow and it's like, oh, 11 o'clock procrastination time and I wasn't even going to procrastinate if I hadn't scheduled in procrastination. That's pretty messed up. Plot well, twist. It's, it's your life. I wouldn't, if, you're, if, you're, okay. if you're taking this article as gospel... Move on, that, I hate that's, this that's, article. That's your <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this should lead to a more balanced schedule. And like you say, you can, if you feel like you're in a good workflow, just continue. You don't have to... You no, have but to then you've got the treat you you've got the procrastination scheduled in like you can't not take the treat so number two is the fun procrastination oh. so you would do anything other than the boring task that you have to do mm. so but that can still be productive though sometimes because sometimes you'll just do emails whilst you're avoiding something or sometimes just do something you'll a bit. sometimes no no I or in my so. case avoid my emails and do something else. sometimes you'll uh you know you'll find sparkle quizzes oh, or you'll find some research on procrastination that kind of thing so, how to beat the fun procrastination is try some structured procrastinating. Oh. You're going to procrastinate anyway, so you may as well make it useful. So start <laughs> something else on your to-do list. So like you just said, it'll prevent you from doing the dreaded task. But the but dreaded task doing... is still going to be there. Yeah, At the end of the day, no, it's still sitting there. Get of, it over and done with yeah, it. Instead, of going, to do it. instead <laughs> of going on your phone, like you say, do emails, do something else, just kind of work no. up towards it. It doesn't work. I hate it to break it to you. Feel hate like to I break it to you, but it does not work. I feel like I shouldn't have used this article. Hannah. I'm procrastination <laughs> queen. I understand. <laughs> so, number three is the plenty of time procrastination. So, it's difficult to be motivated for a long-term deadline. PhD. Oh, it's very PhD-related. Yeah. Yes. So, it says set your own deadlines publicly. So if you make it known, I do this quite like a lot. Like your Gantt chart you were speaking about. I do this quite a lot. It's no, like a no, Twitter more, account for this more, if, I, if we're in the research house and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing much work and I'll say to somebody, oh, I need to do this by, by this date, then it kind of makes me think, well, I need to do it because somebody knows that I need to do it and if they think I'm avoiding it, then it's... <laughs> you like worse. laying them down. Yeah, yeah. You should, get, like, you should put your schedule behind you and when it gets close to date, you should start like throwing stuff at you or like, get some softballs or something and then maybe that'll like spark a sense of Sounds agency. <laughs> Procrastination of the week could be going to Sports Direct and buying like, <laughs> tennis balls and footballs and stuff. I would give that a go. Number four, last one. Uh, Why are you looking like, at me? Like, like Nodding really towards it. me. Perfectionist procrastination. So fear of failing or not meeting high own standards can cause people to not start a task. Yeah, I, I'd mm. say I'm there. Yeah, so, that kind of okay, thing. Okay. So how to beat it, Tom, can actually be a good thing for perfectionists, apparently, procrastination, because it breaks the routine and sets more realistic standards when you're doing simpler or easier tasks. Oh, I don't know. Because you, you spend so much yeah. time on something... And you actually realise you don't have to spend that much time on it. You do have more time for maybe just relaxing a bit more. Or I had a little time. bit of hope at the beginning of that, and then no, nah, yeah, it's gone. Gone. I mean, have you ever seen Hannah sending an email, a simple task, and it'll take her an hour? Yeah. To make sure it's worded right. No, that's such a lie. That's well, such a lie. Yeah, because I'll always use like the wrong words that mean different things or something, so I'll end up putting something really silly in it. So sorry to let you down there, but that was my procrastination of the week. I don't feel like Hannah enjoyed it. Tom, how did you find no. it? Thrilling. Your procrastination of the week was to Google procrastination. I was expecting yeah. a lot after your last And you told me weeks. that I can't use well, because that my procrastination no, because was when, thinking when of When you were saying today about, oh, I'm trying I to think, think of my procrastination, mm -hmm. does that count as procrastination? I thought, what actually constitutes procrastination? Is there different types and so on? But so you I did a bit of research. Okay. We lead very different lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. 
all attention. <laughs> I apologise. Oh. I will raise my game next week, but you know, at least I had something. So I just Hannah? another sparkle moment. Hannah, um, your turn. Oh, and I've set the bar pretty low, so. Um, I can't think. I do, Steph. I can't think. I did have one. I've forgotten it now. Do you want me to give um, you two more minutes? Tom? Can you give me a procrastination of my week? <laughs> Maybe. Tom, okay. have I'll come back to you on that one. Tom, okay. have, you, have you got one? So I spent most of my week just looking for cars to buy. Oh, I've shown you yeah, a couple of good pictures of some cars now. I think you've shown me three or four different pictures of cars that you now want to buy. I mean, the problem why this is bad is I've only had my car six months and it's on finance. <laughs> so how long have you got left on your finance? <laughs> two and a half years. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yesterday, we were so to get angry that we weren't interested in your car talk. Oh, I wish I had car people here. Oh, yeah. Fine. I went back to the centre today. showed them the cars and they loved it. Oh, okay. about it for hours. Great. Fine. You better. stay at the centre. <laughs> how can you expect somebody who doesn't know how to drive to be interested in a car? Yeah, that's true. Oh, they are. I can tell you that much. Yeah. It's Sammy we're talking about here. I'm 24 <laughs> and can't drive. So why would I be interested in a car? If I was interested in cars, I'd know how to drive by now. Does that well, mean you're interested in financially, buses, though? Yeah. <laughs> right, no, I, I got a bone to pick with this as well. <laughs> so I just sort of right, throw a curveball in there. What, and be like, what, yeah. m- what model is the bus you get I on love, every morning? I love buses. <laughs> no, I, I want to bring this up. What, we had a conversation yesterday on what we would do if we won the lottery. Yeah. It's Sammy's answer. Buy a bus ticket. <laughs> yeah, a yearly bus ticket. Oh, I think, yeah, but not like a driver to drive, chauffeur you around. Why would I buy a driver? I'm not the... I wouldn't. Why? It's just I'm not a waste. the queen. <laughs> no, but the queen drives herself. Thank you very much. Yeah, she does actually. I was surprised at that. I seen that the other day. Go on, Elizabeth. They they do a lot for themselves. <laughs> shout yeah, out. I know. Shout out, Lizzie. In a, in a bloody you know kitted out <laughs> palace with taxpayer money, but we won't go into that. So, but yeah, that's mine. Oh, I don't mind that. I think that's quite good. You, yeah, I think we can we good. can back it up that you know you've shown us quite a few pictures <laughs> of it and quite a few different cars and stuff like that, different colours. Hannah, it's your turn. You know, Cause. run out of time here a little bit. Got about eight minutes left. Uh, you know, you're going to have to come up with something. I was cleaning the whiteboards today. Was your you nails cleaned, this week? You cleaned one whiteboard. Huh? Do you do your nails this week? No. Oh, maybe actually. This no. is the problem. Because I told you a lot of times. <gasps> that was after the podcast last week. Yes, my procrastination <laughs> was getting my nails done. Thanks for that time. <laughs> this Very is the problem. Done. All of the procrastinations she could come up with earlier were procrastinations <laughs> that happened outside of the workplace. That right. is not a procrastination. I made two loaves of banana bread this that week. That is at home. No, but she did not get her nails done in the office. To be fair, I did in office nails. time, though, because I didn't want to sit in traffic. Kez, just don't, uh, don't listen to this, Kez. Cool. Kez. Oh, Kez. Then don't, don't make a <laughs> I was like, who are you on about? Oh, yeah. yeah Cheryl. Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I make up my hours elsewhere. And oh, hang on, we finished recording the podcast last week at like half three. It wasn't that bad. No, I know, I know. So you haven't got procrastination of the week this week. My procrastination. So I say, <laughs> I say you should bring two next week. Oh, okay. You're gonna bring two next week. Okay, I'm gonna have to have an unproductive so week then. Who do we think <laughs> won procrastination of the week this Are week? Are you obviously gonna want it? No, I, no, I think I just Tom. Oh, okay, Tom. I think Tom. Tom, I don't point to you. We can't let Sammy yeah, get too I'll far in the lead. Yeah. I think mine hit a bit of a bum note, to be honest. It, oh, didn't, it didn't meet the. Okay. Didn't I meet the the expectations of the sporkle and everything that I've set. Honestly, after sporkle last week, I was really excited yeah. for what to do this week. Yeah, I know, but, <laughs> you know, I just I haven't met my own standards, but sometimes that happens, you know, you get back up when you get knocked down. <laughs> you go again. Cool. I've still got the lead. I need to, don't want to get complacent, you know. I've okay. still got the lead at the top of the table. Hannah's sitting at bottom with no points. That's fine. <laughs> no points. It's okay. It doesn't mean anything. We're at the beginning of the league. How long is this league for? Well, it's as many episodes as we do. Cool. We point every episode, so you know we'll see how how far we go. 
We've got a big barrel to scrape. I might retire while I'm ahead of you now. <laughs> okay, so thank you for listening to episode four of Get the PHT podcast. Uh, you can engage with us on Twitter at Get the PHT, or uh, if you want to email us, I mean, I haven't really been checking them much, but I don't think we've got any at the Shameful. moment. So Shameful. Get the PHT at hotmail.com. Com, yeah. Um, and I w- and hope always, you've enjoyed the audio as in always, our podcast yeah, studio. So we haven't even referenced we're in our fancy new recording studio courtesy of Kinkoy Campus at Cardiff Met University. It's really good. Very good quality. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Hopefully we haven't been moving around too much or you haven't been picking Here up deep breathing. too much breathing. <laughs> or, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, I did headbutt the mic at one point. <laughs> it's a learning process, a learning curve, but yeah, we'll get there. But thank you for listening. And thank you. Here's the jingle.